the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. My guest today, perhaps someone that you don't know, but the church, the ministry, has a huge spiritual legacy. In fact, Ephesian Church of God in Christ in Berkeley is coming up on nearly 100 years of continuous ministry. And if perhaps you don't know the name of the church, I bet you know the name of the song, Happy Day, which was recorded by the Edwin Hawkins Singers and the Ephesians Choir at Ephesians Church of God in Christ Church way back in 1967. Of course, it became a blockbuster crossover hit, put Ephesians Church on the map to be sure, and demonstrative of the kind of spiritual legacy that this church has had for nearly 100 years. Longtime listeners to KFAX Radio perhaps remember the days when Bishop E.E. Cleveland preached from Ephesians Church of God right here on KFAX. Well, joining us now is its current pastor, Bishop Jonathan Logan. And Bishop Logan, thanks so much for taking some time to be with us today. Thank you so much, Craig, for having me. It's just a joy and a privilege and a pleasure to be here with you this morning. And what a blessing to spend some time with you today. And and what a blessing it must have been to you when God opened the door and called you to active ministry at Ephesians. Now, let's kind of set the record straight here. You've been involved in pastoral ministry in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, specifically up in Marin County, there at Cornerstone Community Church in Sausalito for decades, well over 30 years of service. And when the previous bishop and senior pastor at Ephesians passed away, God had it in mind to take you to the next level and also to, well, I guess the old adage, strengthen your tent stakes because growth <laughs> is about to happen. And that certainly describes what the Lord has done in your work in ministry, both at Cornerstone and at Ephesians Church. Tell us about how all that came about. Well, it came about after uh, Bishop, uh, my late Bishop Carr passed away. He was a wonderful man of God. Uh, we all loved him and respected him. Uh, our jurisdiction was in need of new leadership. And so uh, the question arose, uh, would there be anyone that would be willing to do that? And uh, unbeknownst to me, the pastors in our ju- in our jurisdiction had written a letter to our presiding bishop uh, to let him know that there was someone that they wanted to fulfill that position. And it happened to be me. So they, they, ganged, so they, ganged, they ganged up on you, in other words. They ganged, they ganged up, on, up you. <laughs> on me. Yeah. In fact, when people were coming in from all across the country, they were asking, who is this Logan guy? Who is this Logan guy? People I had never met before. So long story short, um, I became the jurisdictional bishop, but then um, uh, who was going to be the pastor of the church? And so it was suggested that it would be me. And so um, our assistant presiding bishop asked uh, the congregation, uh, would they desire for me to be the pastor of the church? And um, they said that they would. And so that's how I, I came to Ephesian. And, uh, but you know, I came to Ephesian also being the pastor of Cornerstone Community Church as well. And so I didn't know how that was going to work out. 
but I believe that if uh, that's what God had in store for me, that's that's what I would do, and that's how I would pursue it. And it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, uh, Bishop passed away in 2015, and um, I officially became the pastor uh, in 16. Uh, I was overseeing the church prior to that, uh, but in 16, I actually became the pastor. And here we are in 2022, six years later, and it's been a wonderful experience. Had there been hesitation in terms of the notion of potentially leaving Cornerstone to move over to Ephesians? I mean, granted, it's geographically from Salcedo to Berkeley, not that far away. But my goodness, you spent so many years, more than 30 years at the helm of Cornerstone that I would imagine the decision to basically pastor two separate congregations, but with a lot of synergy going on between the two, must have been an easier decision than the notion of separating from Cornerstone. Is that true? That's true. I didn't know exactly how it was going to be, but the one word the Lord gave me was synchronize. And so, you know, in that process of synchronizing, I also saw uh, the possibility of synergizing you know, and uh, and I believe that what has happened, and you said it correctly, the synergy that exists between the two congregations is absolutely wonderful. And uh, they're helpers one to another, and they're helping me um, uh, in so many ways, probably beyond what they even imagine, uh, because I believe there's one of the things every pastor enjoys. It's when the people of God work together. I'll, I'll never forget reading a book by H.B. London, um, who was, you know, the brother-in-law of James Dobson, Dr. James Dobson. And he wrote one of the chapters in his book. He says, perks that only pastors enjoy. And one of the things that pastors enjoy is when you see the people of God walking in truth and you see them walking according to the word of God, getting along, loving one another, helping one another. And so that's that's a perk that I enjoy all the time. Couldn't pay me for that. But I would imagine there is an investment in that regard. And by that, I mean that, Pastor, down through the years, you must have invested in your people to teach them the importance of being active members of the body of Christ, as opposed to sort of the the spectator uh, branch of Christendom that we often see, where folks like to go to church, they love great music, they like a nice show, and when it's all over with, they head home and say, gee, wasn't that wonderful, honey, let's go by the local restaurant and get a bite to eat (laughs) on the way home. And that's the extent of their church experience till the next Sunday rolls around. But it sounds to me, in order to effectively maintain and grow Two separate congregations at the same time with all the challenges that that means, especially in a place like the San Francisco Bay Area, you must have poured into your people a tremendous sense of understanding that, and we kind of touched on this before we came on the air today, that Christianity is not something that you watch happen. It's something that you should be playing an active role in, that in many respects, while we treat Christianity as a noun, in reality, Scripture after scripture verse after scripture verse is action, forward moving. It's got that sense of, of of being a verb so that it's not something that we just sit back and partake in or look at or sign up for and say, yeah, I am a member. But we are active participants in the body of Christ and ultimately in affecting the world with the hope of the gospel. Absolutely. I, I agree with that 100 percent. And. What I've always striven to do is just teach the word of the Lord, uh, because I really believe that God's word. I, I listen. I'm I'm 65 years old now, and 
when I was growing up, there was a particular bread product called Wonder Bread. And they'd say Wonder Bread would make you grow in 12 ways, you know, and, and I'd use that analogy many times that the word of God will make you grow in so many different ways. And so uh, I've always emphasized the fact that it's not just about coming to church, having church, you know, because, again, that's spectator, as you mentioned. But but not just having church, but really being the church, being the people that God has called us to be, to go out and effectively make a difference in the world, within our spheres of influence, wherever they may be, but to really portray what Christianity is all about by showing the love of God, showing, um, showing yourself as being a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought that was very important, and so I've done that for years. And uh, it, it amazes me when I see people bringing people to the Lord um, based upon that simple pretext, you know, that, you know, I'm in the world to make a difference. And so it's been a blessing. And I'm striving to do that even more so. Our theme for this year is the effective church. And we're looking at how we can be more effective, you know, by being more proactive, uh, by beginning whatever we're doing with the end in mind, you know, by thinking first things first. You know, thinking win-win, you know, uh, we're actually using the uh, book written by Stephen Covey 30 years ago, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And we're translating those those thoughts, those dynamics, you know, those habits into our everyday lives as believers because they're appropriate, you know, for us. Because I believe the Lord wants us to be effective in all that we do. So what we're doing is we're retooling, we're recalibrating. Uh, we're inviting everybody to get on the field, uh, get on the court. You know, I know in basketball, you can only have five of your team members in at one time. But I want to empty the benches. I want everybody on the field, you know, because I believe if everybody's on the field playing his or her part, whatever that part is, it's going to make a difference in growing the body of Christ. Uh, not only the local church, but the body of Christ everywhere, because I know it has what we do has a rippling effect. You know, so it's not isolated. So when we do positive things and show Christ in positive ways, uh, it's going to have a rippling effect, you know, in the world. And I think conversely so. Um, when we do nothing, that has, in a sense, a rippling effect as well. Meaning when we do Absolutely. nothing, nothing happens. And it's easy Absolutely. for we to stand back in kind of a spectator sport fashion and say, oh, you know, if somebody would only do something about the shootings on the streets of Oakland. Oh, if we only saw a greater sense of morality, if children would behave their parents, if there were less incidences of adultery amongst married couples and all of this, if only someone would do something. And we tend to think that there's somebody else out there or a professional, quote unquote, like yourself, a man of the collar who has been called to do this, failing to recognize that again, you know, when Jesus said, occupy until I return, some folks think that means hunker down, stay down below the radar our screen. Don't call too much attention to yourself and you'll, you'll manage to get through okay because one day Jesus is going to return and when he does, then this will all be over with. But that doesn't at all describe what God has called us to do when he talks about service. And again, as we suggested, the gospel is a gospel of action. Take something as basic as John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that none should perish but have everlasting life. In that one short verse, no less than four active verbs in there demonstrating this is not just what can happen, but this is something that has motion to it. And we as the church empowered by the Holy Spirit are called to give it that motion. The Holy Spirit will empower us, but we got to go out and do the work. 
Absolutely. You know, um, we're Christ's hands and feet in the world. And again, that's something that, you know, I've emphasized down through the years is that we're all that God has. I'll never forget a statement that I heard. I was down in Los Angeles uh, one year in particular, and I was down at the Faith Dome uh, where Dr. Price was the pastor. And he made the statement, and the statement resonated with me, and it still does. And the statement was this, if I'm all God has, is God in trouble? You know, and I, and I, I that, that, that just struck with me. If I'm all that God has, is God in trouble? And I think if we would think about that, you know, collectively as a body of believers uh, and, and really understand that that if I really am all God has, uh, God is really depending on me to make a difference in the world. And I think about Jesus. Uh, he said, I'm going away. You know, and I'm going to give you another comforter, but, you know, you got to do the work. He's going to help you. You know, he's going to come alongside you to help you. But you've got to be busy doing the work. And you got to understand that Christianity is not only a, a it's, it's not a spectator sport, but you got to also understand it's a contact sport. So you're going to face real life situations. You're going to have challenges, you know, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And I believe that the Lord empowers us and, and enables us. The scripture says he works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And I believe that God is constantly at work in our lives and even more so when we invest ourselves in doing things that, 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 that seek to grow the kingdom of God. And so it's exciting. It's exciting. Uh, 2022, I believe, holds so much for us. Our theme for this year is the effective church. And that's really what we want to do is just show people how the church can be effective when everybody's playing their particular part. Our conversation today with Bishop Jonathan Logan, senior pastor at Ephesians Church of God in Christ. We'll take this brief time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation today. A very special guest, Bishop Jonathan Logan, Senior Pastor of Ephesians Church of God in Christ. Bishop Logan, I want to pick things up where we left off just before the break. And of course, to be effective, you need to be equipped. And to yes. be equipped, you need to be engaged. That's and so right. if, if we're engaging and we're equipped, we'll be effective. And, and it's interesting because I know some folks, and I imagine, Pastor, you run into this all the time. We're, we're here at the end of two solid years of COVID, entering the third year. A lot of folks get very frustrated, fearful, conflicting news out there. Then we look at the political landscape in the United States. The last mm-hmm. four or five years, there's been more tumult then mm-hmm. probably you know certainly since the civil war and and the war to separate from great britain back in the 1700s we've been through a very difficult time and 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 some folks might feel overwhelmed by all of that but then i think imagine back when christ went to heaven to go and prepare that place for us and sent the comforter and equipped the church and 12 men 11 effectively speaking under insurmountable odds. Remember, there were no improved highways. They couldn't get on an airplane and head off to the uttermost parts of the earth. You had to walk there. Uh, You couldn't get on Christian radio and preach the gospel. There weren't large churches that would invite you to come on a Sunday morning. And in some cities, if you tried to do that, you wound up having to hide underground because the persecution was so severe. And yet 12 men following that empowerment by the Holy Spirit in the upper room 
literally turn the world upside down. And here we sit more than 2,000 years later on the, the shoulders of, the legacy of, the spiritual legacy of these men. So if they could affect that with not many tools at their disposal, save the power of the Holy Spirit and some of the word that they had memorized, imagine what we have today and what we could do if we just got ourselves engaged. Absolutely. You know, um, it's a great word you use. Uh, there has to be an engagement of purpose. And um, I, I like to draw the analogy of uh, an automobile. If it's in neutral, <laughs> you're not going anywhere, you know, basically. Or you're at the whim of whatever's going on. Because, you know, if a car's in neutral, you can push it forward or backwards, you know, depending on, you know, what you want to do. But it has no... Um, um, uh, positive traction that will take it in whatever direction it's supposed to go on because it's not engaged. No, no momentum. No, no momentum, you know, and so there has to be this engagement that takes place within, not not amongst just the pastors, but, but amongst the body of Christ uh, because we're all in this thing together. Everyone has a different role, a different function, different part to play, but we're all the body of Christ. And so, you know, I like to emphasize to people that you are valuable to the kingdom of God uh, coming out of 2021, I was preaching a series entitled uh, "Things You Need: Seven Things You Need to Think About Leaving 2021, Entering into 2022. And so the first one is, is settle it once and for all. You're saved. You're born again. You're delivered from the power, the penalty of sin. One day you're going to be delivered from the presence of sin. But right now you need to understand that you are a born again believer. And that makes you a very powerful change agent in the world. You know, and you think about the Great Commission, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I mean, that's what those those 12 apostles went out on. And uh, and, and, and those those other, you know, men that were with them, 500 or so. And then it, the numbers just kept growing. And, and I, I can only imagine. Uh, boy, I, <laughs> I think about it sometimes if I could have just been there uh, just to see the energy. And, and to see the collaboration of the body, uh, because it was no small feat. Preacher, you know, I read in the Bible, Peter preached one sermon, 3,000 souls added. Then he preaches again, another 2,000 souls added. You know, that was because people were actively engaged. There was no new members class. <laughs> you know, we have, we have, you know, we have new members classes now, you know, um, nothing like that. And yet and still, the body of Christ kept growing and growing and growing simply because they took Christ at his word and acted upon what he, what he said. He said, I'm with you and I'm going to be with you even into the end of the age. And uh, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to give you another comforter. And he's going to teach you and he's going to remind you and he's going to help you. And um, I, I think if the church today really understood, you know, that it, it's not a spectator sport, but we need to be actively engaged when we see a lot of the things you talked about the crime the violence and and all of the things that we see going on in the world that are negative or the antithesis of what christianity is all about uh if we could just step up to the plate as a body of believers i believe we can make such a tremendous difference in the world and so i'm committed to that and that's what i want to see amongst our congregation and congregations everywhere let me ask you a difficult question, Bishop Logan. Is this a job that is exclusively before the church? 
And I pose that question because if we think it, of all the tumult that's going on in the world around us, it, we're recording this today. There's hyperinflation in our country, a lot of mistrust politically. We're looking at wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes <laughs> in diverse places. There certainly seem to be an increased number of markers or signs to suggest and again, I, 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 I'm always hesitant to ever venture into eschatology too deeply, least that lead to date setting and then get yourself all of a sudden caught in, you know, heading down a rabbit hole and, and not be effective with the gospel because you're so caught up in trying to set a date. But you look at all of these things and some of it just suggested, for example, when it comes to the kind of violence that we've been witnessing on the streets of America, we need more laws. We need better laws. And yet I think to myself, well, on the topic of law, historically, mankind does not have a good history. In fact, God got so frustrated with our inability to keep the law that finally he said, there's not enough sacrifices out there to keep up with your sinning because you don't obey my commandments. You don't respect my law. So I'm going to have to do something entirely different. We're going to have to affect a direct heart change by providing the ultimate sacrifice through my only begotten son that I will send to pay the price on your behalf and that through him and his work on the cross, you might be saved and forgiven of your sins because on your own, your ability to keep the law has proven to be futile. So I have to wonder, and this is the reason why I pose the question, if more law historically going back to biblical times has proven to be a challenge for mankind to keep up with, to obey, then that seems to suggest to me that it's not the need for more law change, but rather greater change of heart. <laughs> and the change of heart through a relationship with Jesus Christ sounds to me then, Bishop Logan, that that's not a job of Sacramento or Washington, D.C., that that's the job of the church. Am I right about Absolutely. this? Absolutely. I believe that is incumbent upon us as the church. And as you, as you rightfully said, you know, in the keeping of the law, um, striving to do it, you know, laws on the books and whatnot, that, that's, it, it, there has to be a heart change, you know. And I believe that's what the grace of God is all about. You know, the scripture talks about that. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all. You know, and I think it's that grace. It's uh, the grace that came through Jesus Christ, the grace that comes through him when we really embrace him, embrace his sacrifice and embrace his life and make his life a part of our life, it makes all the difference in the world. Um, you know, you know, if, if we love the Lord with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength uh, and love our neighbor as, as ourselves, boy, what a difference it would make in the world today. You know, and I think that's the message that, you know, uh, the church has to, to get out, you know, the, the message of salvation and uh, to live that life in such a way that people see it demonstrated that it's not just lip service that we're doing, but it's really a change of heart, a change of attitude, a change of direction um, and uh, invite people into that and let them know that it's it's not difficult. All you have to do is turn your life over to God and Amen. He'll do the rest. Our conversation today with Bishop Jonathan Logan, Senior Pastor at Ephesians Church of God in Christ. We'll take this brief time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Welcome back to our conversation today. A very special guest, Bishop Jonathan Logan, Senior Pastor of Ephesians Church of God in Christ. Bishop Logan, I want to pick things up where we left off just before the break. Failing at the part of loving our neighbors as ourselves. As ourselves. And, and that particular passage of Scripture is, in my mind, progressive. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, mm-hmm. body, and mm-hmm. your neighbor is yourself. It yeah. would seem to me that it's predicated upon, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but but isn't the capacity to love our neighbor as ourselves predicated upon our ability and willingness to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and body? Therefore, if we're failing at the loving our neighbor as ourself part, that we are likely also failing at loving the Lord our God portion as well? Do you think that's true? Yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely correct. I believe it is predicated up on that because, you know, uh, one of the things that I see, I, I really believe this is true, is that your relationship with your neighbor can't be uh, greater than your relationship with God because I believe relationships run both horizontally and vertically, you know, and so when that that ver- that horizontal relationship is is off. Then we need to really check what is my vertical relationship. We really, which is our relationship with God. When that is in its proper place, then I think everything else flows correctly. But but again, I think that's where it begins, and and that's not something. And then you have to have, a, I guess, a, a I don't want to use this word because I don't want it to be misconstrued. But you have to have a, a, a measurement, a matrix, a rule. Uh, by which you uh, judge that or govern yourself with that because it's not subjective. And I think what what your rule has to be is really what the word of the Lord teaches, you know, and and we live according to the Bible and its standards, not the ones that we kind of make up as we go, (laughs) you know, but we, we really look at the word of God. And when it says you love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, your strength, love your neighbor as yourself, you know, you really begin to understand that that's incumbent upon you, um, you know, progressively as you've stated, you know, and and when you do it that way, uh, I think things do fall in place. And uh, I I think one other scripture uh, maybe might be appropriate here is that uh, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples because of the love you have one for another. I I was just going to say, you know, the the evidence of that is borne out in the fruit that one bears. Amen. And if you're bearing healthy fruit, abundant fruit, there's a bumper crop, so to speak, in a spiritual sense. Then I yes. think those of us that are observing from the outside, because we are called upon to be a fruit inspector, right? Test the spirits and see if they be of God. <laughs> right. That we can yeah. conclude, I think, fairly easily. If we see someone who is bearing much healthy fruit, it's quite likely that that person has a very abundant and healthy relationship with the Lord. But conversely so, if the mm-hmm. fruit that they are bearing is bitter and is shriveled up, and is of no mm-hmm. value, that not even the birds or the crows want to come and pick at it because it's just so bitter. That mm-hmm. That's demonstrative, too, of somebody who, while perhaps claiming to have a relationship with God, I, I'm reminded of that scripture, oh, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name and raise the dead in your name? And what does Christ say? Get thee behind me, Satan. I knew you not. Now, maybe it at the beginning of this year is vital for the church to also be fruit inspectors of our own 
and ask of ourselves, how am I doing in the job of my relationship of loving the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and body? And if I'm ticking off all those boxes as doing well, then the loving my neighbor as myself should follow. But if we're failing on the first point, guaranteed we'll be failing on the latter. Absolutely. So if you don't like the fruit, what do you do? You check the root, you know, and you find out what's coming, you know, because the fruit's going to be nothing different than what's coming from the root, you know. And so if we're rooted in Christ, rooted in God, rooted in the word of God, the right fruit should come. I want to shift gears here for a moment, Pastor, and talk sure. a bit about the, the trajectory of your ministry. We mentioned at the start of our conversation today that uh, for the better part of over 32 years, you have served as the senior pastor at Cornerstone Community Church, Sausalito. But in addition to that, of course, your your relatively new role, six years now, um, as the senior pastor and bishop at Ephesian Church of God in Christ, which, as I mentioned, will shortly be coming up on its 100th anniversary, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. But I want you to take mm-hmm. us back even further, if you would, and, and kind of walk us through your life experience and, and what it was that happened that God called you to the ministry in the very first place. Was this something that you felt from a young man? God had a calling on you? How did that all come about? Yeah, you know, when I think about it, and someone asked me that question the other day, and they said, how did you know? And um, I just explained to them how I I knew, you know. I, I did know from a very young age that I would be a preacher one day. I don't know how that came about. It was just something on the inside of me. And if you ask me to pick a date or a, a time, a particular age, it was probably when I was around six or seven years old. People would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? There were three, three things that uh, I was I was interested in, and that was to be a preacher, a basketball player, and a doctor. I became a preacher, you know, and so uh, I, I played basketball a little bit. Praise the Lord. I, I have an honorary doctorate, you know, if you want to count that, but but it's been wonderful. I knew that, you know, my life was on that course. And I, I'll never forget the day that the Lord uh, actually called me into the ministry. It was on it was on a Valentine's Day of all days of the year, February 14th. It was uh, 1976. And I'd, I distinctly felt that inclination that uh, the Lord had called me into the ministry. It was, you know, and. You know, people have various experiences, and my experiences, I just felt that so strongly on the inside. I went to my pastor the very next day, and I explained it to him. And uh, he told me, he said, well, you know, we, we've been noticing that about you all along. And so it wasn't a surprise. And so my, my uh, preaching ministry effectively began in 1976. And um, uh, I first became a born-again believer when I was 10 years old, 10 and a half years old, actually. So just kind of fast forwarding, you know, I I went to school and whatnot and and, uh, did what I had to do to become, you know, educated in the Word. Uh, I was always an avid Bible reader. Uh, I I tell people a lot of times what I would do uh, at night, I'd go to bed even with the Bible wide open on my chest. I thought you could get it by assimilation, you know, (laughs) and uh, if I could, I was going to do that. But I kept the Bible close to my heart. I think I read that scripture that said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so I took that literally, you know, even though I knew that putting it on my heart 
may not do it. I had to read the word, study the word. But uh, that's that's pretty much how that began. I be, uh, I was in church as a lot of young people are. I worked uh, in the ministry, you know, with the older uh, men and ministers and even young people of my age, you know, participated in all of the functions of the church, eventually became a youth pastor. And then uh, and then in 1984, I was called over to uh, the church in Marin City. So I've actually been there 37 years, uh, coming up on 38 now. And uh, we've watched the Lord do some amazing things. When I first went there, we were in the schoolroom. And shortly, a few short years later, we were able to build a wonderful church building there in Marin. And uh, back in 1992, we began that building process. And then we marched in in 1998. And the church has been going strong ever since. And so, uh, uh, again, you know, I was serving in our jurisdiction uh, with our our bishop. And, um, you know, he had told me one day himself that I would be a bishop, you know. And I said, well, how am I going to be a bishop? You're the bishop, you know, because he wasn't that many years older than I was. And I just anticipated that he would just, you know. We kind of have that notion people are going to live forever, you know, and uh, he got sick and uh, and we never expected that he would pass away. We we expected the Lord to heal him. And uh, ultimately, he was, you know, healed, you know, all of the what he was going through. He doesn't suffer with that anymore. And uh, I became the bishop. And so it's been a wonderful experience. And now, you know, my challenge as as a bishop is to help other pastors, um, maximize the effectiveness of their ministries, uh, help their congregations maximize the effectiveness, effectiveness of their ministries. And, uh, it's, it's a wonderful experience. I'm not tired. Uh, I, 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 I'm so grateful to God for all that he's done and all that he's doing. Uh, we're looking forward to this year, looking forward to doing some, uh, exciting things this year. As I mentioned to you earlier, uh, you were talking about the effective church, and uh, we're seeking ways to become even more effective. I, I feel a, a strong need to really begin emphasizing the importance of family ministry and the family being able to minister to itself. And when I say family, you know, you have a lot of different type of family structures, single family, um, single parent families. You have the traditional family. Uh, you have families where grandparents are raising children. However that, you know, meets out, uh, we want to basically really tailor ministry uh, that will effectively help families become stronger in the things of God. Youth ministry is very important. Men's ministry is very important. Women's ministry is very important. Generally, the women pretty pretty much pull it together, but the men and the youth, that can be a little bit more of a challenge, and especially with social media and things like that nowadays. But we have to meet them where they are. We don't want to sit in our churches and watch its demise because we're not implementing the things we need to implement to ensure, you know, as much as we're able to do that to ensure the perpetuation of ministry. So we're reaching out. We're, we're soliciting uh, help because we need help. I, I mentioned earlier the effective church. Uh, Peter and the apostles, they looked for effective help and they chose those seven men that were able to help them. And so as a pastor, I'm looking for effective help. I realize I cannot do it by myself. The more the merrier might be a statement I could make, but the more people involved in ministry makes it so much better. Many hands make light work. 
there's no I in the word team, but together everyone accomplishes more. And so it's, it's exciting to me. And, and I feel my job is, is to just really mobilize people towards that end and watch God grow his church through us. Our conversation today with Bishop Jonathan Logan, Senior Pastor at Ephesians Church of God in Christ. We'll take this brief time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to our conversation today. A very special guest, Bishop Jonathan Logan, Senior Pastor of Ephesians Church of God in Christ. Bishop Logan, I want to pick things up where we left off just before the break. And, you know, coming back full circle, our conversation earlier pertaining to the the engaged church versus the spectator church. And some folks think that the, the church is a place we come into, which is true. But it's also a place that we go out of. We send That's missionaries right. out from the church. Sure. We are compelled to go out into the highways and byways and do what? Compel them yeah. to come Compel in. Compel them to come in. And, right. and I wonder in your viewpoint, Pastor, how pivotal, how foundational, how critical is a foundation in the scripture to all of that? And I ask that question because it seems as if, and you just alluded to this a moment ago, we've got social media we are seeing an ever-reducing attention span. My goodness, we've gone from folks engaging in 20-minute-long YouTube videos. Now they watch their TikTok videos that run a minute or less because they think that they can't hold and capture an audience attention for more than a minute. And I think, well, what does that mean for the sermon that goes an hour and a half sometimes, you know? So much of this seems to point to the notion that an ever-increasing group of this generation is biblically illiterate. They can maybe quote a scripture or two, but that image of you falling asleep with a scripture laying across your chest, waking the first thing in the morning into the word, last thing you do at night in the word. We have fewer and fewer people that do that. And I wonder if that sense of biblical illiteracy is becoming a challenge for the church, hampering us. It is. And, you know, uh, subjectivity, it can be quite dangerous because people are basing things upon what I think, what I feel, rather than what God has said. And I think that, uh, and again, I'm using that word, I think, <laughs> but I firmly believe, and I do think that it's 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 important to stay with the foundational truths of the Word of God. And I will always do that. You know, I will teach the great doctrines of the church. Um, I believe that's important. The, you know, the, God is not going to back up uh, our thoughts, our, our feelings, but he certainly will back up his word. And so I think it's very important and it's critical for those of us who really know that to stick with that and, and to not give up on that. Now, we may have to change our, our methods. Uh, I don't preach as long as I used to. You know, because, again, uh, I know that the attention span of a lot of people is not where um, where it used to be, you know, where, you know, we could sit in church for a long time, uh, even in a Pentecostal church like us, you know. But um, and and that was great, you know, but but we realize that we have another audience today. And if we want to capture more people, we have to figure out ways to capture them with the word. And so maybe utilizing social media, maybe even to hit people with the scripture, uh, to hit people with a thought, you know, based upon what that scripture is all about. Just a 60 second devotional 
you know, where there's a scripture and maybe a couple sentences, maybe that highlight or explain. Uh, I think that's very, very important. I think we have to use the tools of this generation uh, to their best advantage. It's no sense in saying, oh, I'm not going to do any of that. Uh, we didn't do that before. It's here. You know, so what do we do? <laughs> do we curse it or do we utilize we it? Gotta, we have to I meet them where they're at, at, right? I do, Craig. I believe if Jesus were here right now, he, he'd have, you know, the latest technology, you know, um, uh, utilizing it uh, to its full advantage. You know, and I think that, you know, we have to do those things. And I have younger sons and uh, my young son, one of my youngest son, he tells me, yeah, dad, we need to do this. We need to do this. You know, I'll, I'll do your Instagram, you know, um, and I'll do this, you know, because there, there's a notion that if you can capture people in those moments, then you can affect change in their lives. So uh, to me, it's very important that if we're doing that, we're sticking with the word. We're not we're not just saying anything, doing anything but we're actually giving people the word of God. And, and you know, the beautiful thing about the word is we're promised in scripture that it doesn't go out and return to him void, no, but it accomplishes it. his good pleasure, whether Absolutely. that be a, 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 an exegesis of scripture that goes on for an hour and a half or a 60 second Absolutely. brief uh, nugget out of God's word. And, and I think you're right. I, I think if Jesus were here today, physically on the earth, yeah, he'd mm-hmm. gather and feed the 5,000 and preach a sermon and it would also be live streamed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when Scripture tells us to go out into the highways and byways, to go out into the uttermost parts of the earth, God wants us to use all of the tools that he's given at our disposal. So, you know, get on the airplane and go travel to the country. Maybe Jesus didn't travel that way, but we have the privilege where we can and be more effective at what we do in proclaiming him as Lord and Savior. Finally, Bishop, for folks eavesdropping on our conversation today, and they say, you know, I'm I'm new to the San Francisco Bay Area. I've been looking for a church home. Our, uh, our, our family is growing, and we really like to get plugged into a church that's dynamic, on fire for Christ, that's teaching the unadulterated truth of the gospel, preaching that from the pulpit every Sunday. Tell us a bit about what's available through the ministries of both Ephesian Church of God in Christ in Berkeley, as well as, of course, there at Cornerstone Community Church in Sausalito. Sure. Well, we'd like to believe that we have a wonderful congregation of people, loving people. And that's what I hear when people visit. They say, boy, this is a loving place. But I think that's a really great thing is we accept people as they are. We love people. And I believe that uh, that's that's foundational to people you know, attending church and maybe even coming back for the second or third time and maybe even parking there. I think that's very important. We have a wonderful music ministry. Um, we love to teach the word. We have great teachers. Uh, I love to preach and teach the word, but I also have a great group of ministers and and uh, um, male and female that, that actually teach and preach the word as well. It's dynamic. We have some outreach programs that, that are, affect the community. Uh, a lot of things that we were doing uh, pre-COVID, we're not able to do right now, uh, but we will. You know, we're still supporting missions. We haven't stopped doing that. But some of the local things that we do, like feeding uh, people in homeless shelters and things like that, we're not able to do that at this particular time. But we, but we like to just, uh, our goal is to be a full-service church, to help people uh, you know, realize uh, the best for themselves to help them maximize who they are as individuals. And uh, so it's it's just, it's a great experience. So 
you know, we're we're meeting, you know, on a, in a limited way, you know, right now at the uh, Cornerstone Church in Marin in Sausalito uh, on Sundays at 12 noon. Uh, but then people can catch us on our Bible study lines. We, we meet on Zoom. Uh, we have a we have a uh, platform for that. And uh, we have a we have a YouTube channel where, you know, the messages go forth, Stone Media Production. And so it's exciting. And so if anyone wanted to connect with us, I sure would welcome them to do so. Uh, I tell you, like I've heard in so many cases, we're not a perfect church. No church is perfect. But I tell you what, we are a perfect group of believers. We love the Lord and are striving to do all we can uh, to glorify him. Bishop Jonathan Logan, Senior Pastor at Ephesian Church of God in Christ, 1709 Alcatraz Avenue in the city of Berkeley, and also Senior Pastor at Cornerstone Community Church in Sausalito. Yeah, and Craig, can I say this? And if you want to join us over at Cornerstone, that address is 626 Drake Avenue, Marin City, California. And more information available, of course, on the web. Just Google Cornerstone Community Church or Ephesian Church of God in Christ. Bishop Logan, we appreciate so much you sharing a bit of your life story and most importantly, your heart and your passion for God and for his word. Thanks so much for uh, carving out a little time for us today. Thank you so, so much, Craig. It's been a joy uh, being with you today. I've listened to you for so many years and it's just good to hear your voice and connect the two today. Thanks again so much for your time. There's Bishop Jonathan Logan, Senior Pastor again at Ephesian Church of God in Christ of Berkeley and Cornerstone Community Church of Sausalito. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.